Hey, I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by The Tease. So Jeff, I know that over the last week or so, we've talked a little bit about The Little Mermaid. Have we ever? And anyone is listening, listening, watching, viewing your stories and your content. We know that you're the ultimate girl dad. Mm -hmm. And you took your oldest prep. There was outfit prep. There was. There was the prep. How was it? I mean, the experience was wonderful. Let me just say, wow, like the the parenting part. But then, like the movie's great. I, I we've talked about this off the pod, but we're going to talk about it right now. The critics, I think, maybe a little bit too harsh on this one. There are plenty of other garbage live action Disney films that somehow skidded on by without people. Um, and I do wonder if it's because it's a black female lead. These are things that I'm going to put out there. Like, we've got problems in this country, um, and it seems like when there's other leads, we don't have those same things. I wonder. I'm just putting it out there. Um, but no, it's beautiful. It's it, it was so well done. The millennial in me was like, oh, this is... Show me the world, right? Yeah, I mean, I honestly was so, so, so impressed. Um, and, I mean, relevant to this podcast, all of the underwater scenes, all of the hair is CGI. Every single strand. I mean, which mind blowing. And apparently, like two years in post production in order to make that happen. Like, just wow. Wow. Can you imagine you are in post production and you're like, we're going to get this right. Okay. It's 2020, right? And we, we have a finish line of 2022 <laughs> to get each strand correct. It's nuts. I mean, that is a lift. Yep. That is real. But thank you for keeping that hair flawless. I mean, truly well done to them. And then all of the scenes out of the water, Camille Friend, who's just been killing it left, right, like all of the movies, but this one especially, I just, I cannot say enough good things about it. And I'm happy that it's crushing at the box office. It should. And if y'all are on the fence about should I, shouldn't I, go do it. And then, you know, if you hated it, sorry, money well spent. You know, I proclaimed to my children, let's go. And they were like, no. <laughs> so I may take my niece. <laughs> Maybe the wrong demo. You should. Oh my God. She'll, she'll be, they'll be thrilled, thrilled. She'll love it. You'll love it. That's the thing. I genuinely was expecting to not, you know, but I did. Yeah. Okay. Summer beach, the hair, we're talking about tans too. And we, we know, we know I'm a fan of the bronzer of the self tan. Mm -hmm. We won't get into it, but we know in the past you've had your moments. Some tanorexia. What do we think about this new, <laughs> this new trend that is polarizing uh, on TikTok and to me personally, <laughs> that people are creating fake tan lines? What? Yeah. No. You know, I I shouldn't be surprised by anything, um, but this one did this did surprise me. Yeah. Obviously, we saw the the freckles um, and that sort of going bonkers online i like a fake freckle don't get like it's fun same a fake tan line is a choice i thought we were trying to avoid tan lines yeah or is that just our gen like apparently it is apparently it is uh, yeah i just i don't associate a tan line with something that is of value right or good or but i get i mean I, it's like what you like were sun-kissed out in the sun didn't care this like I, it's a lot of effort to go into something that's an effortless look. And you know, just to go down the rabbit hole, I I challenge our listeners to check it. 
because they're taping off marks where your scorpions would be. And it's elaborate bronzer and blush, mixing the two, pigmenting it, the harsh lines with their fingers and their specific products cited to do such things. And, you know, I, for what? <laughs> That's, that is the ultimate question. Yeah. If you are creating mm-hmm. false tan lines or just tan lines, I guess, if you're creating a tan <laughs> line, we want to know about it. Um, why and how, how mostly again, there's lots of tutorial, but like, let's walk through it. Let's, if you're going to do it, we want to hear about it. <laughs> All right. Moving on. On our last episode, we talked with Danielle Frank. Danielle is an Olaplex on-air spokesperson. What's in it with Olaplex podcast host and a licensed cosmetologist. I personally learned so much and I've heard from a few listeners personally that they have as well about the whole Olaplex line. So thanks for her for being on the pod. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and sending questions to volume up at thetease.com. This week, we're talking with Anne Mazza, who's the co-owner and vice president of sales and marketing for Bay Area-based Olivia Garden, a global leader in the hair care industry for over 55 years. Olivia Garden was originally founded in 1967 by Mazza's parents, Jean and Micheline Renette in Liège, Belgium, and has remained family-owned and operated. Olivia Garden designs and produces professional quality hairbrushes, shears, appliances, apparel, and accessories for salon pros and consumers alike. Maza has been instrumental in securing relationships with high-profile and celebrity hairstylists, as well as ensuring Olivia Garden tools are used backstage at New York Fashion Week and for film and television projects. She created and organized Olivia Garden's first education team and is the catalyst of all of OG's marketing and advertising campaigns. This is a good one. A good one. But before we get there, we're going to talk a little bit about another trend that we're seeing from our friends over at trendhunter.com. And this is makeup for gamers. So this is also hitting the Gen Zs, the Gen Alphas of the world. But first, I want to know one, Jeff, are you, and I know the answer, but are are you a gamer? No, I'm not. Um, Not a gamer, not watching the streaming of the gaming. Um, My eldest daughter is aware of this because of her friends. Wow. I'm hoping that her Gen Alpha does not... I, I Mostly, I don't want to... I don't want to engage in the content. <laughs> and therefore, I don't want her to because then I will have to. But this is not about us. Um, there are millions of people out there that are watching folks play video games. Um, and one such incredibly popular game is Fortnite. Right. And there is a beauty collaboration that's come out of this whole thing. So talk to us a little bit about what's the brand, what's the offering, because I'm mind blown about this. So I also am not a gamer, (laughs) but to relate back to Fortnite per se, my kids are. And so, you know, this collaboration is with Revolution Beauty and Fortnite specifically, and it features fan favorites like Peely, Supply Llama, Cuddle Teen Leader, all of which I am very foreign to. And it promises to appeal to the players behind the 500 million registered accounts worldwide. So really interesting to me from like a marketing and tapping into a niche, well, maybe not even so niche registered accounts just on this one platform alone, but interesting to tap into it. So the collab is 27 colorful packaged products. So from Peely Banana Moose Mask, okay, to Shadow Palettes. And even nail polish. Uh, they are staples for Gen Z and Alpha and are priced at $12 and under. So interesting to see 
how this collaboration, there's certainly been others in the past, but I'm curious how other consumer brands are going to tap into this. And then will any pro with a consumer following? Who knows? I mean, honestly, like sky's the limit in terms of opportunity space here. I, I mean, like I hadn't thought about it because it's not right. something that is immediately in front of me, but it makes total sense. And honestly, the like collab is cute. I like, cute. there are some things where maybe things would be disjointed, but this is definitely not one of those without any familiarity with these characters. Like the synergy is there. So like, well done revolution beauty. All right. Well, let's talk about what's trending on our site. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week, uncovering industry news, looking into trends and diving into brands that you don't know, but you should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, the article, My Salon Suite and PBA are awarding $30,000 in scholarships to beauty pros. If you're an aspiring beauty professional who could use some support funding your education, My Salon Suite is here to help. The co-working style salon space has teamed up with the PBA to award $30,000 in scholarship opportunities to beauty school students and licensed pros seeking to grow their careers through continuing ed. Through their My Salon Suite scholarship, the two organizations will be offering five $1,000 scholarships to students interested in obtaining licenses in cosmetology, barbering, aesthetics, nail technology, or massage therapy. And the deadline to apply is August 15th, so there's plenty of time. Head to thetease.com to learn more about how to do so. Who doesn't love free money? If you were a student or a salon pro interested in continuing ed, you would apply, right? For sure. I mean, I do think that there are so many, this is a great scholarship and there are so many scholarships within our industry that we need to push it out to general consumers that are thinking about a career. We know that recruitment, uh, retention in our industry is on the downward slide. And so thanks to PBA's foundation and my salon suite, this scholarship is helping to bolster that interest and that financial viability of joining our industry. Absolutely love it. I, I just like such good news. So Get in there. Go to thetease.com. Check that out. Next up, um, and we're talking a lot about Olivia Garden today, but they're making moves. So let's do it. The article is called Olivia Garden Launches Eco-Friendly Pride Brushes That Support the LGBTQ Plus Community. Olivia Garden's support for the LGBTQ Plus community has never been more apparent thanks to their newest collection. In celebration of Pride Month, the professional tools brand has launched a limited edition OG Brush Pride Collection. The best part? Proceeds will be donated to organizations that support the LGBTQ Plus community. It's important to show our values as a company, said Olivia Garden co-owner Ann Maza. As a brand, we want our customers to feel not only represented by our products, but supported by our company. We see them and we want to show them that we care about them. These brushes are a small way that we can give back to our LGBTQ plus customers for being proud of who they are. Head to this article on our site to learn more about the collection. Kelly, yes. are you feeling more like you needed a tangler, a styler, a mini, all of the above? Talk to me about it. Well... First of all, I am a avid <laughs> collector of Olivia Garden impressions. And the detangler is number one in my drawer in my son's bathrooms, as well as mine and my husband, because mm -hmm. it is an incredible brush. And so I am always in need of more to put them at other places in my life, perhaps downstairs in my car. <laughs> same same very terrible slash great problem of having an og brush literally in all places in our cars <laughs> in our bathrooms in yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's a must get into it guys um support the lgbtq plus community as well um and last but certainly not least this is really i think such a cool thing and there's been tons of response to it already the article is called the cosmetology licensure compact wants to grant license mobility to stylists everywhere here's what that means 
What if we told you that there was a way for your professional beauty license to easily transfer from state to state, just like a driver's license? Sounds intriguing, right? Yeah, we think so too, which is exactly why our ears perked up big time when we heard about a fairly recent piece of legislation called the Cosmetology Licensure Compact and how it's working to make increased mobility for pro-beauty licenses a reality for hairstylists everywhere. We've broken down absolutely everything that you need to know about this important legislation impacting the salon pro industry. Head to the tees.com to learn more about the Cosmetology Compact. Kelly, based on the response, we know that this is really a hot topic. If you were a salon pro, would you be interested in such a license? Yes. And I think, you know, if, even if I take a couple steps back, I mean, our qualifications for being a licensed pro are different in every state. So I can see why this is a lift to get this sort of cohesively across the United States to be something that is viable. Mm-hmm. But let's just take a state like Iowa, where there is continuing education hours needed to continue and remain a licensed pro. Um, if those parameters were in all states, why wouldn't it be transferable? Mm-hmm. If I move from Arizona to California, I can no longer practice my craft without going back and getting licensing. So I think this is very important. Um, it's not active yet um, uh, for the activation process to begin. At least seven states need to enact the compact. Right now, we have two states that have enacted Kentucky and Arizona. So head over to thetees.com to check out how we can get involved as a community to make this a reality. So important. Get into that too. As always, there's so much going on at thetees.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We're proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up, my interview with Ann Mazza of Olivia Garden. Ann Mazza is the co-owner and vice president of sales and marketing for Bay Area-based Olivia Garden, a global leader in the hair care industry for over 55 years. Olivia Garden was originally founded in 1967 by Mazza's parents, Jean and Micheline Rignette in Liège, Belgium, and has remained family-owned and operated. Olivia Garden designs and produces professional quality hairbrushes, shears, appliances, apparel, and accessories for salon pros and consumers alike. Maza grew up in the family business, starting out as her father's secretary and working all of the industry trade shows from the age of 12. After earning her degree in marketing and finance from the Walter Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley, she joined her older brother and parents at Olivia Garden. Since coming on board full-time in 1995, Maza has driven business forward, focusing on product innovation with more than 60 patents registered and sales in more than 100 countries. Maza has been instrumental in securing relationships with high-profile and celebrity stylists, as well as ensuring Olivia Garden tools are used backstage at New York Fashion Week and for film and television projects. She created and organized Olivia Garden's first educational team and is the catalyst for all of Olivia Garden's marketing and advertising campaigns. Anne, that's a bio and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Volume Up by the Tees. Thank you, Kelly. It's great to be here. I guess I've been busy. <laughs> I guess you've been busy. 60 patents. I guess I didn't realize the number was at 60 right now. Yeah. And probably even more than that. But we have them all over the world because, you know, we work really hard to develop unique products for the stylist. And, uh, you know, it takes us multiple years to come up with the idea and the technology that we put into our product. So we really want to protect it. For sure. It's only fair if you put all that work into it that you protect it from others who just want to copy you. 
It makes sense. There's, there's a lot of imitators out there, but being the OG Olivia Garden, <laughs> here we are. So you have a fantastic story about your entry into this business. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got here? Sure, of course. So really what propelled our entry, my brother and I entry into the, the industry was really our move to the United States. So when we lived in Belgium and you know we would go help out, at our parents' business from time to time, but it was more just to get familiar with what the business was about and just to keep us busy, really. But when we moved to America, I was 12, my brother was 14, it became like a necessity. The job we were given was not like just to keep us busy, uh, you know, on the after school, whatever. These, these jobs became very crucial running of the company just because my parents needed help since it was just the two of them. And there was a lot of things to do. And, you know, so we were at home, so we were available labor. Yeah. So I started being in the secretary. We're talking 1985. Okay. For those on the call who don't know, there were no computers. <laughs> there were no <laughs> cell phones. There was no internet. It was the cave, uh, cave age. Um, but um, we did live in homes. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, but all jokes aside, it was a different world, different way of communicating. If you wanted to say anything to somebody uh, besides a phone call, you had to type a letter, basically, and either mail it or they had just invented the fax machine. Amazing. Right. So my father had a lot of correspondence to, to share with the two things to say to his customers back in Europe because he had a business there, customers he was trying to get here and then vendors all over the world. And so he would write them all throughout the day. And when I got home from school, I would type them up on a typewriter and then uh, we would fax them at the end of the night when they were ready to go after they were corrected. And if I had made a mistake or my dad had changed his mind, I had to retype the entire document because there was no way to just change a part of it. Anyways, it was fun. So um, that's one of the things I did from the age of 12 to 18 until I graduated from high school. Wow. And uh, my brother became the accountant. So he was doing the books. In addition to that, we also did trade shows because trade shows was another crucial way of growing the business in the United States. You know, you put ad- you took out ads in the magazines. And besides that, you went to trade shows because otherwise, how would people know you exist? Yeah. So we were taken out of school multiple times a year. Trade shows were always during the school year. There weren't any during the summer. And uh, we would, you know, dry or fly all night, whatever, set up the booth, sell uh, curlers at the time is what we were selling, and then uh, pack it all up, drive home and try to get back to school as soon as possible. Of course, do your homework while you're on the road. So that was kind of our thing. And like I said, it was done in order to help out our parents because they needed it. But in retrospect, it was really our apprenticeship into the business, you know, which we chose to go into it. We weren't like obliged. We wanted to become part of the business after we were done with college. So, but in looking back, it was an amazing opportunity because in my case, every single letter my father wrote to a customer, to a vendor, to anybody, I read it, Uh, right? Indirectly while I'm typing it. So I started to learn what it was like to communicate with business, how you resolve situations, you know, I mean, Indirectly, it was just a, a really great way for me to learn things. And of course, being on the trade show w- helped us learn how to sell, how to talk to people we don't know, yeah. you know, the best way to close out a sale and all that stuff. So that's kind of how we, you know, that's definitely how we got into the business. And then after that, we both got our college degrees, which was something that we really wanted to do. 
Um, and then um, during the summers of our college years, we would cold call on salons Ooh. as a way to learn that part of the business, right? Because the more we could get done uh, while we were still in school, just the more, the better we'd be ready to go into the business once you graduated. So cold calling on salon was great because we work with distributors who have sales reps who work in with the salon. So understanding where your customer's sales team is going through by doing it yourself first really helps you, you know, in terms of later when you're trying to sell your product to them, yeah. et cetera. So uh, that was a really great learning curve. So we did that during the summers. And then once we graduated, we really just jumped right in and started, you know, working in our respective roles. I was always going to be more of the marketing person, yeah. uh, product de development. I mean, it is more in my DNA and uh, social media, communication, marketing, all that kind of thing. And my brother was always more into, since he majored in theoretical physics in college, which is the hardest branch, basically a science you can have. Mm -hmm. He was always more analytical. So more accounting, finance, legal, all those patents he talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, they need somebody to be checking them. You don't just have the lawyers write them. You got to read through them to make sure they're correct. Yep. And they you have know, forecasting and all of that. So it worked out really well how our personalities kind of divvied up nicely for running the business. Yep. That's amazing. I mean, to think about, you said the apprenticeship throughout, you know, since you were 12 and all of those incredible life skills that you gained, because what, you know, who's cold calling, right? I mean, the art of the deal and the cold call and the conflict resolution and the communication. I mean, what a really unique position that you were in uh, to be able to learn so much about the business before you went full time. It's the way to do it. If you're going to be running one day a company or in charge of something, you know, having done the different jobs at the company, you know, not only gives you an insight, you can manage them well because you understand what they're doing, right. but also uh, it gives you credibility in front of your staff. For sure. So we also used to, of course, unload containers. Yep. You know, what did a container look like when we were? 12 through 18 before to college, the container came to the lock and store, you know, where you rent a locker and the container drove up there and we unloaded it, put it in the storage and then the container drove away. Right. Wow. And then, and even when we, we started moving out to an actual building, we were still unloading containers because you pay by the minute. Basically, you have like a free hour. Okay. Anything above that, you've got to pay for it. Mm. So we wanted to get that container unloaded as quickly as possible to save money. Yeah. So more hands on deck. So we would bring a change of clothes, get in a container with our team, empty it and get that thing gone and out of there before that hour was up. So you know, knowing that you also know how to, because you unload the container, then you got to figure out where you put it in the warehouse. You don't just randomly put the boxes there. So you got to prep for it. Yeah. So there's this whole thing that once you're actually doing it, you're like, oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, I've got to prep for it and all that stuff. So yeah. That's incredible. And incredible too, that your parents kind of put you through those paces because, you know, some other family run businesses, it could be that you just sort of get slotted in after college in a role and you don't have those experiences of actual hands-on work. So that's incredible. Speaking of your parents, um, yep. tell me a little bit about how Olivia Garden came to be. Of course. So my mom, uh, Micheline, is the hairdresser and actually was also an esthetician in the family. So that's kind of where the kernel came from. Uh, so when my parents met back in the early 60s, my mom was a hairdresser, esthetician. Father was a 
school teacher, actually, and when, but always wanted to be a businessman. And so when he met her and he started thinking about different ideas to start a business, he realized, you know, he learned about the beauty industry and saw the opportunity to make high quality uh, wigs and hair pieces to sell to the salon, who then would sell it to their customer. And that's how Olivia Garn was born, was from the idea of making products for the stylists that are higher quality, higher performing, bring some sort of innovation compared to what was available, at, what is available at the moment on the marketplace. And that's what really uh, drives Olivia Garden still to this day. So they started Olivia Garden making wigs and hair pieces. And uh, my mom would work all day in the salon because she had the only income. My father would go and sell the sample of the wigs and hair pieces that my mom had styled. Wow. You know, we were strong believers in samples. So uh-huh. he would carry this like handmade sample rack with heads and like all the little different samples on there, walk into the salon, make, you know, hopefully make a sale and do that all day. And then at night, come home with the orders. Wow. And then my mom, after working all day in the salon, <laughs> needed to cut color, style the orders to try to get them delivered to those salons as soon as possible. That's incredible. So there's no uh, question where that work ethic came from, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yep. It sounds like a similar, similar story, generation after generation. Yeah. Yeah, We we get a little antsy if we don't stay busy, (laughs) I got to (laughs) say. Always in motion. Um, Tell me a little bit about kind of your ethos from like a goal and mission perspective and why you care so much about the hairstylist. Yeah. So, I mean, the, we love the hairstyling community. I mean, obviously our mom was in it. Our, luckily, our parents are still around, but obviously our mom isn't working in the salon anymore. And, you know, we grew up in the industry. So we yeah. we have so many friends uh, in the hair industry. And what we see how when we develop a product in conjunction with stylists always, and we are able to resolve a problem or make their work faster or make their work last longer. I mean, for us, it's just such instant gratification that we're just so happy to see them be happy and more successful. Yeah. So that's what Olivia Garden revolves all around. It's just, I mean, yes, we need to sell the product, obviously, to make a profit and to continue to be around. But we don't want to just sell anything. We want to sell something that's going to make somebody's life better. And, right. you know, it's not medicine or something like that. But in our world, uh, we think, you know, we're happy to see that we've been able to make a difference throughout the years. And, uh, you know, occasionally we get emails from even consumers who uh, tell us how a brush has changed our lives, mm-hmm. you know, um, one way or another. For example, we have this really fantastic detangling brush. And, you know, we received an email from Ireland from a mother whose daughter has a, unfortunately a medical condition where she has to sleep with tubes, um, breathing tubes. And her, she wants long hair because she's a, a girl and she decides she wants to have long hair. And then her hair gets tangled around the tubes when she's sleeping. And she told us that upon purchasing our brush, it was the first brush that ever has been able to detangle. Because then when she would detangle her daughter's hair, with the tubes and she would cry that would cause problems with her breathing. Right. But with our brush, she's able to detangle the brush, the hair without any tears, without any crying. And it's just made her life and her dog's life so much better. And so, you know, those kind of things really warm our heart. Yeah. That it's like, yes, we've been able to make some, you know, a difference in somebody's life. So those kind of stories are great. That's a good story. That's a great one. <laughs> 
Um, you know, since founding Olivia Garden in 1967, what's the product evolution been like? You started with the wigs, but talk me through kind of where you're at today. So as you know, trends are very cyclical. So uh, 60, in the 60s in Belgium, wigs, hair pieces, super popular. Okay. Come early 70s and they just crash, die down. Like now it's all more like a natural. We're not going to use wigs anymore. Da, da, da and hair pieces. So of course my parents need to really like, they survival mode, right? Like this is no longer, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a slow decrease in their business. They're seeing like, we're not selling as much. So what do they have? They have all the connections with the stylists, right? Because they open all those doors. So now it's, it's a relationship business. So actually my father switches or my parents switched to selling liquids. And the first and easiest thing was to get a brand and to introduce it into Europe. And they actually were selling Clairol. Oh, no way. So they were the Clairol distributor in Belgium. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, no, they had all the distribution and everything. And then over time, it evolved and changed. And they start making their own liquids. And uh, they still sell a little bit of liquids in Europe. But mostly, of course, it's all tools. Uh, anyways, in the 70s, there was liquids. And then in the early 80s, then they started to switch exclusively to tools. And we started with hair curlers. Because now the trend is harming, right? Mm -hmm. And so my dad invented a curler that didn't need a rubber band. The two curlers interlock together on the side. They're called Varior Curler. They're kind of like kind of the concept of Lego blocks in a way. Okay. We had two wheels and anyways, they connected. So there was no more, no more the rubber band, which was a problem because it would mark the hair. Rubber bands would mark the hair and, and that was always the challenge. And then the curler would fill up with this per solution of the water because it was a enclosed, you know, curler with the rubber band coming. So, because oh. it had two clothes, right? So it has holes in it. So the, anyways, so all again, problem the hairdressers are having, solution found. Mm -hmm. And so we sold uh, a gazillion of those hair curlers all over the world. Uh, and that's actually what propelled us to moving to America was to open the distribution of Olivia Garden in the United States. And it was with our curlers. So wigs, liquids, curlers, which really tool category, obviously. And then in the 90s, that's when we started uh, making our own, you know, making brushes because now curlers, people were going away from curlers and rollers and they wanted to use brushes in order to style their hair. That's amazing. So very problem solution oriented is kind of the theme that I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, how else have you consistently been kind of on the forefront of developing innovative products? Well, you know, I think that I mean, we spend a lot of time thinking about what, you know, what's next, right? Because if you think of our product cycle, development cycle, which is anywhere from two to seven years, in order for us to come up with a product, it's like we, you know, we need to try to think ahead of what we think would be happening so that we can be ready by the time it's, it's there, right? And so um, we, we do a lot of thinking, a lot of reading, and a lot of talking with hairdressers. Um, many, you know, hairdressers are an amazing wealth of information because they are the ones in the salon every day and facing certain challenges. And we're so fortunate when they share those with us so that we can see if there's a way that we can address them. Yeah. And so it's a combination of things, you know, it's like sometimes it's a feeling that this is going to be a trend or a category that's really important. And then sometimes it's a request from a hairdresser or a set of hairdressers that are asking us constantly, you know, for the same things. Um, yeah. And 
uh, from different places and we look at other industries too. Okay. Because sometimes what we innovate isn't always the product itself. It could be how it's made or the components that are used. So we, for example, when we came up with our heat pro brush a few years back, which is the brush that can withstand the highest heat resistance, which is 550 degrees Fahrenheit, Ow. we actually went to the car industry huh. to look for what materials could we use in our for our purpose that could withstand that that heat so you know we also look in other places in order to sometimes resolve challenges that we see and that we have that's really smart so essentially like how have you or the innovation from the different brands like what makes your innovation different like what i know i personally know why it's different um, but share with our audience what that might mean. So the easiest way to launch a product is to go to a factory's catalog, pick something out, you make it look and feel like your brand and then you launch it. There's nothing wrong with doing that. That is definitely the easiest and uh, the most economical way and fastest way to launch a product. The only thing that doesn't work for the garden is because when you do something like that, is it just doesn't have any, uh, it doesn't have that focus on a hairdresser and resolving that the problem that they might have, right? So we need a product that we're going to be excited about, that there's going to be so much to say. And, and look, if you look over here, there's this little thing and you know what it's for. And inside we did this and, yeah. you know, there's all these things that we put into our product, even a comb. Our combs, you know, you think a comb, I mean, how could you make a comb so different? Well, we recently launched a comb collection and it is an engineering marvel because of the way that we really re-engineered a comb from scratch. You know, like, okay, what happens with combs? They fall all the time. What could we do to our comb so they're less likely to fall? We can't change anything about gravity, granted, <laughs> but what could we do so that comb stays in that hand longer or yep. more chances that it stay in the hand and not fall out and then you need to clean it and all that, right? So we, I mean, we get really nerdy about all those things. We get back to the basics. So you can't do that if you're just going to take something that a factory's already designed, right? Right. And again, there's nothing wrong with that concept. It's just not how we're programmed and wired. We want to get to the bottom of understanding how a comb is used. And then from there, talk to a bunch of hairdressers about it. And then we start brainstorming and then we design, we make a 3D prototype, we send it to hairdressers, they play with it. They, with their feedback, they send it back to us, we change it, and we do this back and forth, however long it takes until we feel like we have the perfect product. Then we go make mold, and then we, we can start production, right? So it's a very time-consuming, very expensive process, yes. very long, which is why it takes two to seven years. Yeah. But in the end, you have a product that is truly unique and different, and that really is made for the hairdresser and serves their purpose. And that's, that's just what sets us apart from others, but it's just how we're just wired like that. Yeah. And we just take a lot of pleasure out of doing it too. So yeah, I couldn't imagine developing products any other way. Yeah. How has that level of like that over management of all of those small details, how has that paid off for the brand and your community that you've built? Well, I mean, you know, I think it speaks for itself in the products that we've come up with. Yeah. But having that attention to detail, I mean, from, from a management point of view, because, you know, I'm kind of like 
the orchestra leader, you know, mm-hmm. and I have wonderful teams uh, around me. And so sometimes I'm like, can we like speed this up a little bit? You know, like, really? but I know that like the extra steps we take and sometimes, you know, when you've seen something for two years, you're like, are we ready yet? Yes. Can we go to production? <laughs> and they're like, no, we still want to check one more thing. I'm like, okay, I know it's for long term is for the good of the product. So let's do it. But then let's try to wrap it up after because we got to get to market with this. But it's paid off because, you know, those details make a huge difference in the everyday use. And working with the hairdresser and giving us their feedback is just so many. On every single product, I have to say, a hairdresser in our test pool has made a contribution Mm. that has shaped the product. Like something I could like call it. This is the like this little thing is thanks to this person and that thing is thank you know like wow and and they love it because when else do they get to impact a product right i mean they never get to they get to buy a product and like it or not like it right right i mean i believe they really enjoy having an input that is valued so that um you know we they can make a difference for uh, the product in the end so i think that's just you know just Invaluable. I'm so grateful for the team that we have out there. Amazing. And you're right. The participation of helping to shape a product under the Olivia Garden umbrella has to be a career moment for them as well, right? So from an innovation standpoint, do you have some of the favorites over the years that uh, you're like, we did it. It was this one. It was this product. What are what are some that come to mind? <laughs> Oh my God, it's like choosing between a child. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. Well, of course, our new dryer that we just launched, uh, the Super HP, is, you know, a huge, huge endeavor. Yes. That one holds a special place in my heart because it's in the appliance category, which is an even more challenging category where, you know, you have even more competition and having a product that is truly just a gem in itself in this very saturated market where there's a lot of people trying to make really good products already. I'm just extremely proud of it. And that we stuck to our uh, development process from A to Z. We didn't, you know, skip anything, even though we ended up, you know, spending a quarter million dollars on developing it, which was a lot. But ultimately, I know it's going to pay off because, you know, we're in it for the long term. So products are, um, you know, developed and then they're just going to last. Like our ceramic ion brush, for example, you know, we launched in 2002, uh, 21 years ago, and it's still a top seller, you know. So wow. you put the work into it and then, you know, you've got a product that's going to have legs, right, for a long time. So the dryer is definitely one of those that I would put it as a special product uh, because of, of just how great it came out and also because of the category it's in being even more challenging. Not that designing a brush is easy, but we obviously have a lot more experience. We have decades of experience doing that. Yeah. And it's a simpler product. Developing a brush is simpler than a very complex electronic equipment, right? So um, in terms of brushes, I have to say that what I really loved about the story of the OG brush, which is the brush with a removable cushion, the only brush in the world where you can remove the cushion. What I really love about it is it was during one of our uh, basically think tank meetings, which is we call the OG dream team, where we get together with stylists and we dream together. You know, somebody specifically said, could you do something about 
liquid going behind the cushion of my detangling brush yeah. because after I put it in barbicide, I hear it's still there. Wow. And could you do something about it? Because it's not very professional for me to use it on my next client. So I got to set it out to dry for a really long time. And okay. if it gets back there, does it ever really dry out? Like what, what else could be growing behind the cushion? Mm. And so when she said that, we're all like, Okay, we'll try. It's like, we do do it. We're like, we're not sure we can do it, <laughs> but we're going to try. And then four years later, to we're not slow. We're just very meticulous. <laughs> four years later, to come back to her and be like, we got it. Check this out. Amazing. So that was really special too. Um, uh, that, you know, like she like put that out there. And I mean, she could have not said anything. She could have thought it and not said it, you know, yeah. like all that kind of stuff. So the fact she said it, we were able to do something about her desire to get that resolved and put out this really fantastic product. I'm really proud of that too. That's really cool because you think about that innovation. It's something so simplistic that if you're not using the brush, day every, you're using your own personal brush, right? And then you put it in the barbicide and maybe don't think about it, but really interesting detail, right? That that was overlooked in the past. Yeah. Okay. I want to look back to the super HP dryer. So tell me a little bit more about that because I know innovating, as you mentioned in the appliance category, I'm sure there's a lot of science and engineering that went behind it. Do you have those people on your team in-house? How does that process work? Yeah. So we have engineers, product developers. Uh, we also include on our team, graphic designers, because, um, also, you know, they have a lot to say in terms of, so the, the engineers and product designers work off, I mean, it's, it's just, it, you want it to be all encompassing and the look for us is very important. So function is number one, quality is number, number one as well, but, and performance, but it, for us, it's really needs to be visually pleasing as well. Right. And there's no reason it couldn't be. Right. Yeah. So we want to get everybody involved from the beginning because everybody has a valuable contribution at some point or another. Right. Sometimes we talk really like technical stuff about the interior components. You know, some of the team like signs off because they're like, okay, you know, I'm going to go do something else. But otherwise, for all, everybody's involved because you never know when someone's going to have something to say. And actually, it happened in yesterday's product meeting, which is a meeting we hold every day, product development meeting. You know, the engineer was explaining something about a new brush we've got coming out next year. And then the graphic designer's like, basically resolved his problem. Huh. You know, it's like, what if you do it this way? And she like hand drew it in like 30 seconds. And she's like, cool. what if you do it this way? He's like, oh, I hadn't thought of that because he's working in his 3D software, you know, trying to get the planes to work and line up. And mm -hmm. she's, you know, free drawing it. And she's like, well, what about this? And anyways, I love to see like all of that come together. But uh, that only happens when you can be together and you can be, you know, free flow of ideas. So we have those members on our team and then we have hairdressers on our team and then we have hairdressers at large, yeah. right? Our amazing team at large that's in the salon every day that loves to try our stuff and give us the feedback that we need because you cannot develop product in a bubble. Yeah. It needs to be put out there in the test. It's like you're going to design running shoes and you know, you're just going to run around your own office for a little bit to see how they feel. <laughs> and like, I like them and that's it, right? You need to give them to people and they need to go run miles and marathons and tell you what they think. 
and you need varied opinions. And I always say, please don't tell me you just love it unless you really just love it. Yeah. I want to know the truth. I really want to know what's wrong with it more than what you love it. Right. So that we can fix it. Right. So that's kind of how, um, yeah, that's, that's, those are the different team members that are on our team. We're all very efficient, uh, and very like to the point, you know, we don't really waste any time. Got it. Yeah. So from an innovation of the brand from here, where do you see you going in the remainder of 23 or in the next decade? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 23, 23 is done. We're okay, already, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we're already on to like 25. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to stay to within our, uh, our current categories is what we feel. Um, there is uh, always, you know, shears, appliance, brushes, are our stronghold and we also make apparel but uh you know we we want to continue to round out our appliance assortment okay. so when we decided to get into the appliance which is definitely our newest category uh we did it exactly the same way we did our shears and our brushes and the same way we just do things in our lives we do it one step at a time and we want to build a very strong foundation before we go on to the next step. And that's just how we've always, you know, that's some people take big risks and do a lot at once and there's nothing wrong with that. We just like to do things very methodically and little by little and then just grow from there. And we just believe in building a really strong foundation to our pyramid. So, you know, when we came up with brushes, we had, you know, four brushes and then we had eight and then now we have like 300, but you know, so, so in the appliances, it's the same thing. You know, we were growing, continuing to grow our assortment because to be a top player in the appliance category, which is our goal as it, it was, and it has become in the brushes and in the sheer categories, we need to, you know, have a larger assortment and we need to do it but still true to our product development process. So we're going to continue uh, exactly what we've been doing. But of course, that doesn't mean that there, you know, you have to adapt to the trends and to the changes that you do. But, you know, we're not going to become a liquid company or, you know, hair color company. We're very comfortable in the space that we're at in our tool category, I guess. But, you know, I look forward to fun opportunities that come up in the future because when you're a business owner, Something you need to embrace has changed <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> because it's going to happen regardless. So. Indeed. <laughs> I'll embrace it. Um, another area of innovation I want to talk about has been around sustainability. So why has sustainability been at the forefront of Olivia Garden's mind? Well, you know, we try as individuals, of course, to do the right thing, you know, in our day-to-day life. But as a company, I never really thought before because we're not a liquid company. Our products last a really long time. So already we're sustainable in that respect because the quality is good. Yeah. But then when, you know, really when we were at home for COVID for so many years or months, at least at the beginning, uh, including our children and my children were our, uh, you know, young adults. And I started observing them, um, you know, more than usual because we were home yeah. and uh, watching their shopping behavior and watching and hearing their comments with their girlfriends or friends. And I realized how really important, you know, the, you know, the environment is becoming and how much they're concerned about, rightfully so, about where we're heading with environmental concerns. And so I thought, what could we do as a brand to reduce our carbon footprint? Is there something we could do? So we undertook that process during, you know, the really the 
the lockdown. I mean, we were all working just remotely. And I challenged my team and I said, okay, I want to reduce the carbon footprint of our company as much as possible. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Like if we are contributing to any, you know, junk being created, what could we do to try to limit that as much as possible within, you know, within the bounds of, of, of reality? Because obviously you are, have some limitations in that. And um, so we started, we made a list. We made a list of every single thing and parts that we make or that we use in our products, in all of our products. Wow. And once we make that list, I said, okay, what could we change to reduce our carbon footprint in any of these things? And so we came up with a plan. We came up with a five-year plan of how Lydia Garden was going to reduce its carbon footprint so that I could be proud, we could be proud as a company of what we're doing to try to help the environment. Yeah. Granted, again, our impact isn't as much as something that's consumable that you're constantly needing to rebuy. But still, it doesn't matter. If everybody that can do do their part, in the long term, the addition of all of that is going to make a difference. Yeah. And so... Um, we, you know, for example, the first thing that was the easy, nothing is ever easy, but the easiest thing to do was to change our plastic bags. Yes, every brush came in a plastic bag. We always wanted the bag to be really crisp and really transparent. So it was really pretty, yeah. but that's virgin plastic. Now, if we went with 100% recycled plastic, it's a murkier, mm, kind of milkier kind of plastic bag. Okay, it doesn't look as pretty, but hey, you're not generating your waste, right? And of course... The pretty wasteful bag is free. The not so pretty good bag for the environment is you have to pay for, mm -hmm. which is something unfortunately that's wrong because anyways, yeah. but it is, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> so I said, I don't care. I want to do the right thing. We're going to pay to put the bag that is a hundred percent recycled plastic. So we're taking old plastic bags yeah. and we're making new ones out of it. And we're not, you know, doing something bad for the environment because every brush needs to come in it. So that, I mean, we're lucky enough to sell many, millions of brushes worldwide. Like you mentioned, we're in 102 countries. So that's a lot of plastic being put out there yeah. with every single brush. So I was so excited that we could do that. We could make it work. So all of bags, all of our bags and all of our products have been switched over to 100% recycled plastic. Wow. So basically taking trash and making good use out of it. So that was the first step. Then we looked into our displays. Um, you know, of course. So we started to look at how we can use recycled materials then into our products. Yeah. And the thing is, we're in this regard, we're pioneering because nobody's ever done it in, in our category. So we are taking on all the risks because the factories, they much rather use the virgin plastic that they've used for the last 50 years because they know how it behaves, Yeah. right? When you say, no, 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 I want to use this recycled plastic, they're like, okay, we'll use it. But if something's wrong with the product, it's on you. Ooh, we're not replacing it. We're not, you know, because you're the one that insisted on making this change, right? Yeah. So obviously we just said, yes, we want to do it. And we've been testing before we launched anything. We obviously thoroughly tested it. And so we decided to go ahead and start launching product made 100% recycled plastic and everything is fine. But also during the manufacturing process, it's also not as easy because you have more variants. So when you have a virgin product, plastic, you know how it's going to behave. Yeah. When you have a plastic that's a mishmash of things, then you have different behaviors from different batches. There's just all these other processes that we've had to put in place yeah. in order 
to do this. So not only is the raw material more expensive, which we're also paying for ourselves, but the processes are, we had to add additional process. Therefore, the manufacturing is slower. Therefore, it's more costly. Yep. But it's all to do the right thing. Yeah. So we're happy to do it. Very proud that we're doing it. Very proud that we're the leaders in it. And it's been a really fun learning curve. Stressful at times, for sure. Uh, but fun to do something new, but also, most importantly, do something that we know is good for the environment. We're taking junk and we're able to make new things out of it. Yeah. So very proud of that. Yeah, as you should be. I mean, and doing the right thing, it it feels good too, even though it it can be a little more painstaking, right? But at the end, you can walk away or end each day knowing that you're doing all you can do, right? Yeah. And and I hope my kids also are proud of, you know, the legacy that Olivia Garden will leave behind. So yeah. Amazing. Incredible. All right. So next up, um, we've got a little section that we call the tease quick takes. And I'm going to fire away some questions and you feel free to let me know off the top of your head, your quick take. All right. The first one is, what was your first ever product, beauty product that you owned? It could be beauty or hair. I had a brush in Belgium that had nails as bristles. (laughs) Yeah. That was my hairbrush. And you used that brush. Yeah. <laughs> All my hair. Yes. <laughs> you know, how ironic the seat you're in today, manufacturing <laughs> the best brushes in the world. That is it. Do you still have that brush? No, but I remember it, oh. was, wood, it was wooden. It had a white cushion and it had like little nails, metal, metal bristles that were like little nails. And that That's it. A-, a brush. I'm not sure if that was like a leftover brush from when my parents had wigs and hair pieces. But they're like, here's a brush. Use this. And uh, that's all I use. So that's all I use. That's amazing. <laughs> Full circle moment. No doubt. <laughs> all right. Are you superstitious? And if so, about what? I am not superstitious. Okay. I hope I can, to some extent, control as much as possible what happens around me. Yeah. But uh, I will say that I believe in karma. Mm -hmm. And I believe that what goes around comes around. Mm -hmm. And so um, you put out good things out there. And at some point in your life, it'll come back to you. So yeah, I agree. And all of the good things that you're doing uh, with (laughs) Olivia Garden, they're going to come back. (laughs) All right. What would you consider the ultimate comfort food? Chocolate. Chocolate. Okay. I mean, Belgium, right? I mean, exactly. Like a nice little lava cake with the inside that's all oozy and maybe a little chocolate sauce. I mean, a little caramel sauce on top. All right. Chocolate. That, I feel like I should have, I should have been able to guess that one. (laughs) Dark chocolate. Okay. Let me be clear. Dark chocolate. chocolate. (laughs) All right. Last one. Let's say you are on a deserted island all alone and you could only bring three beauty products. What are you bringing? Okay. So I'm. Pretty low maintenance. Okay. So I, and I have extremely short hair. So I would need my moisturizer for my face. Okay. Because I don't like to feel my face dry. I would need my uh, styling brush uh, to keep my hair down. Okay. uh, Because I have curly hair and it can get unruly if I don't have a brush to like keep it down. And I would bring my massage brush 
Um, it's called finger brush, but it massages your scalp because if I were to be stressed on this island, I'm not sure if it's like what kind of the situation is it like stranded, like airplane stranded or stranded on vacation stranded. But uh, then I probably would want my massage brush to massage my scalp when necessary. So I love it. Not that nail brush. We don't need that on the island. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. would be no good. It might be helpful for survival skills, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not for my hair. <laughs> well, Anne, it's been a pleasure. Please let everybody know listening where they can follow all of your innovation at Olivia Garden. Of course. So on Instagram, it's Olivia Garden underscore INT, which is our uh, worldwide uh, IG account. And um, same on Facebook. And um, I am at Anne underscore Maza. If you guys want to follow me, that's where you'll find me. (laughs) Amazing. And head over to oliviagarden.com as well to check out all of the information about the company and all the incredible products that you have. So, Anne, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kelly. I've known you for a couple of years, but I've learned (laughs) a lot today too. (laughs) Well, we like to keep full of surprises. (laughs) I love it. So best of luck to you in 2023. I don't think you're going to need that luck, but we're going to put out some good karma back over to you. Thanks for your time, Anne. Thank you, Kelly. So nice to see you today. Thanks for chatting. Bye-bye. All right, Jeff. So Anne is a friend of the pod and a personal friend and acquaintance of mine as well. And I've met a lot of brand founders in my day, but perhaps no one as passionate as Anne Maza in the brand for our professional community, for our environment, and need I go on? I mean, there's no one better, truthfully. We love Anne Maza. We love Olivia Garden. And I mean, I always enjoy talking to Anne and listening listening to her talk, period. Um, and that was a treat for me. And I got to tell you, I want more than anything to have a super HP dryer. That's, it's so cute. And all of the science, yeah. A detangler. Let's get into it. And a dryer. We need both. We've got a lot of curls over there at Jeffrey's HQ. At the moment, we don't. But still. (laughs) Yep. Not you. (laughs) Amazing. So be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees and sending questions to volumeup at thetees.com. Volume Up is a Tees Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom Volume Up theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.